This is an MPB Think Radio podcast. To hear previous shows, visit mpbonline.org or download the MPB Public Radio app to listen on your iPhone or Android phone on demand. The information presented on Money Talks is meant to provide general information about the topics discussed and is not necessarily the opinion of Mississippi Public Broadcasting. The information presented does not create any type of relationship between the hosts and guests and the listening audience. Please consult a financial advisor or any other qualified professional for guidance about your personal finance questions. to Money Talks on MPB Think Radio. Kevin Farrell here with Nancy Lotrich-Anderson, President of New Perspectives, and Ryder Taft, Portfolio Manager at New Perspectives. They're also co-authors of the book, Piggy Planet, Prudent Investors Get Going Young. Our guest today is Sean Mercer, District Manager at the Social Security Administration. So when should you start taking withdrawals? What if you want to change your mind about claiming benefits? Are the payments you receive taxed? Sean is here to answer your Social Security questions, and Ryder and Nancy are on hand to take personal financial questions. It's easy to get involved. Just give us a phone call. The number is one eight seven seven mpb ring It's one 672 7464 or send an email to money at mpbonline.org. Usually when Sean visits us, the phone lines get quite busy during the uh, course of the show. So if you have a question, it might be a good idea to go ahead and call in early to make sure that you get your question answered. And Sean, I think you've been with us enough. I'm now anointing you official friend of the program. So well, that's great, man. It took me a while to earn that. <laughs> but we always appreciate you coming here. Great information uh, about an important topic uh, of, uh, of Social Security. And also, uh, it is Tuesday, so any personal finance questions are fair game as well. So, uh, financial news in the news. Well, this is a very important time of year. We've got a couple of things going on. Uh, we've started enrollment into our IMPACT, the prepaid college tuition program that Mississippi offers. So this is the time, if you're interested in that, to go to the treasurer's website and look at those uh, frequently asked questions and decide if this is appropriate for you. And also, we're heading into open enrollment for Medicare. And I know Social Security is not Medicare, but you can sign up through the Social Security website, right? That's right. January, February, and March is open enrollment for regular Medicare. But people get it confused with Part D enrollment that's coming up. So Medicare.com. Gov. People get frustrated with us a lot at Social Security because we can't answer those questions specifically. So go to Medicare.gov, look on their website. They've got all of those on there. But the open enrollment for Part D, the prescription drug plan, is right around the corner. And that's important to pay attention to because what medications you're taking has an impact on which provider you would use. And that changes. That's right. So people call the Social Security office all the time with questions about Part D, which is D for drugs, the prescription drug plan. And we can't really answer those because those are private companies vying for Nancy's business, and we can't be biased towards one or the other. So we refer them to the local ships in the state, which are the state health insurance persons that are located all throughout the state. We can give them that telephone number, or we can uh, tell them to contact their pharmacist or whatever and get you know information that way. But at Social Security, we can't really advise them on that Part D plan. 
Uh, other uh, financial news in the news, I, th- I think I heard that um, at least one of the credit reporting bureaus is now offering free credit freezes. Am I correct? Yeah. So credit freezes, which is uh, when you basically make your credit inaccessible to new inquiries. Uh, so you nor someone who has stolen your identity can apply for a loan or a credit card. Uh, that's what a credit freeze is. Those are now free. Uh, and also unfreezing them, which is going to be important if you freeze your credit and then want to go get that in-store credit card to knock a few percent off your purchase. Uh, that is also free now. Uh, keep in mind that's still a kind of, that's a that's a pretty big step. Uh, and it's not going to prevent all identity theft. You, it's still important to monitor your credit. Uh, but that's a pretty big thing. It's a little bit of a cumbersome process. So make sure you're, you know what you're getting into if you do t- something like that. And is that with all of the credit reporting uh, agencies? or I believe it I believe is so. now. Okay. I believe so. All yeah. right. And, and that, that was before this. It was $10 to freeze it and $10 to unfreeze it. So that's a big deal. Mm-hmm. Right. It's good that they're making it easier so folks maybe feel a little bit more comfortable doing that and, and hopefully will remain safer and out of the clutches of uh, identity thieves that are we all know are lurking out there for sure. Uh, reminder of our phone number. If you want to call in with a question for our guest, Sean Mercer from Social the Social Security Administration, or if you have a personal finance question, the number is one eight seven seven mpb ring The phone number is one 672 7464 You can email the show, money at mpbonline.org. So, Sean, we always like to begin our discussion about talking about the website. I know that's where you would like uh, folks to go for as they're kind of their first uh, connection with Social Security. So, again, remind us of some of the things that you can do uh, on the website. Great. Want to make sure that everybody understands it's socialsecurity.gov, not socialsecurity.net.com.org, anything like that. Socialsecurity.gov, and a plug for all other federal agencies out there, anytime you're going to deal with the federal government, the address is going to be .gov. So socialsecurity.gov, probably the main thing for our listeners out there, if we can get them to do nothing else, would simply be to get a My Social Security account. Mm -hmm. I realize that a lot of our listeners already have those, but if you don't, takes just a few minutes to do that. And it gives you access to your personal information if you're not receiving benefits. And if you're already receiving benefits, you can change address, change direct deposit, get a 1099, get a replacement Social Security card, get a Medicare card. So all those types of things that you can do at your fingertips from your home computer versus having to call or visit a local office. So SocialSecurity.gov, filing for retirement, filing for disability. The public is demanding that we have those services available. We're almost at 50% around the state right now with retirement claims daily, uh, almost that many with disability claims. So uh, even in rural Mississippi, people are using the Internet on a daily basis, and we process those claims first uh, because when you do business over the Internet, you're expecting quicker, faster, better service, and we try to do that as best we can. So I tell people, you know, hey, we may not be able to talk to you for a couple of weeks with a scheduled appointment on the telephone, but we'll call you within a day or two if you file online. And we usually we do follow up with a telephone call for that retirement claim or that disability claim. So you by you going in and going to SocialSecurity.gov and filing that claim, you're really just typing in a lot of that information that we would be asking you over the telephone, you know, names, dates of birth, things like that. So it saves a lot of time and it makes it a, a much better experience for the customer. And, Sean, we encourage our folks who, you know, once you hit at least 50, maybe even earlier than that, to go ahead and set up that online 
online account because it's so helpful to be able to look at your actual earnings. You can verify whether those are correct or not. If there's a problem, you need to address that. And then you start to get an estimate based on those actual earnings of what your benefit will be. And that's a really important thing to know. We know that Social Security, on average, replaces about 40% of uh, your pre-retirement income. And for other people, it can be more depending on your personal situation. So it's a big deal to know what that number will be at retirement. This is Money Talks on MPB Think Radio. We're visiting today with Sean Mercer, District Manager at the Social Security Administration. And we've got our first call on the line. It's Susan in Memphis. You're on the air with us, Susan. Go ahead, please. Uh, Yes, my question is for Mr. Mercer. When I filed for Social Security, they asked me if uh, they asked me uh, if I was on the civil service retirement system, the old system, and I said yes, but I also told them that I'm on workers' compensation right now, and um, they told me that my civil service, that my social security benefits would be offset by the amount of my civil service, um, my civil service retirement benefits. But I talked to my workers' compensation attorney, and he said that since I'm not drawing my civil service retirement benefit, that I should be getting my full Social Security benefit because I'm on workers' compensation. Um, I can't explain it to the people in Social Security office. Can you tell me if that's correct, and what should I do to correct it? Well, we need to look at that because workers' comp through civil service uh, may be offset. I'm not quite sure. I would have to look at that agreement to see. But I would suggest that you take your workers' comp papers to your local office there and double-check that. As a general rule, the civil service offset does apply. But with your workers' comp, if it's not related per se to the civil service there could be a loophole there i'm not thinking so but we would really need to look at those workers comp documents and how you're being paid where that workers comp is derived from i would assume it's from the civil service work and we would need to look at that so i would think that would be one of the things that you would need to talk with your claims representative at your local office and just set up an appointment to go in and meet with him or her with those documents so we can double check that we don't see that very often we see a few civil service cases as you know most of the uh they change that in 1983, where uh, federal employees like myself or FERS, where we actually pay into Social Security and into a federal retirement. So ours is not offset like some of the older uh, civil service uh, employees, such as yourself. And so we see a few of those. We see even fewer with the workers' comp benefits. So that is something we want to take a detailed look at. So call your local office, set up a time to carry your workers' comp payments in there and get a decision on that to make sure that it's correct. Okay, I have a second question. Go ahead. Uh, I was going to wait until I was 70 to start drawing Social Security benefits, but I called my local Social Security office, and they told me if I waited until I was 70, my benefits would be reduced by $20 a month. So they pressured me into uh, taking my Social Security benefits sooner than I wanted to. How does that work? I, I'm not understanding the answer that they gave you there. You could have, you could wait till age 70 and draw possibly a higher benefit, although you're still going to be offset by any uh, – any civil service payments that you get. So uh, I'm not sure. I would uh, discuss that with them, too, while I was there to make sure that you understood, number one, that we understood your question and the situation that you're in, and number two, that you're understanding our answer. Your situation is a little different than probably, you know, 
95% of the other claims that we're going to take today in that local office. So I think it would be well worth your time to set up an appointment to visit with them and make sure you, they understand what you're doing and you understand what we're going to be able to pay you. All right, uh, Susan, thanks for your call. Good way to kick off the show, and it's time for our first break. Jefferson Jackson, if you'll hold on through the break, we'll get to your call right after the break. We are visiting today with Sean Mercer of the Social Security Administration, also looking for your personal finance questions as well. The number is 1-877-MPB-RING. It's 1-877-672-7464. You can email the show money at mpbonline.org. Hey, does your Social Security number start with four? 425, 426, 427, or 428. I'll tell you why I'm guessing that when we get back from the break. podcast you might like our money talk show from march 6th 2018 where we talked with guest sean mercer about social security you can find that program at mpbonline.org slash money talks on the mpb media app or on many podcast platforms Back to Money Talks on MPB Think Radio. Kevin Farrell here with Nancy Lotter-Janderson, President of New Perspectives, and Ryder Taft, Portfolio Manager at New Perspectives. We're visiting today with Sean Mercer, a District Manager at the Social Security Administration. Sean's here ready to take some Social Security questions. Ryder and Nancy are here ready for your personal finance questions, so give us a call. Uh, got some open... Oh, we're just decoration today. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> We've got some open phone lines at one eight seven seven mpb ring It's one eight seven seven. Six seven two seven four six four. But what nice looking decorations you both are! Well, thank you. Uh, before Aww. the break, we talked about uh, social security numbers and uh, four two five, four two six, four two seven, and four two eight. I'm assuming, Sean, those were the numbers maybe for Mississippi because between seventy three and two thousand eleven, social security numbers were assigned by state and territory. That's right. We used to could tell where someone was actually born when they came in. We were dealing, but that's since gone out the window. So it's kind of a random. Everything thing now. has gone out the window. <laughs> We're going to get back to that because I'm mad about something. All right. We've got some calls to get to, so let's uh, start again on the phone lines by saying good morning to Jeff in Jackson. Jeff, you're on the air with us. Go ahead. Hey, guys. How's everybody doing? Good. What's your question? Good. Good. Uh, I've got a somewhat complex uh, situation. Um, I'm calling about survivor benefits, and uh, my ex-wife uh, recently passed um, back in the end of June and um, she remarried before she uh, before she died uh, a few years before she died and to that union they had a child 
And we've also got a, a child together, who's, and, and both of them are, are, are minors. The child that she had to the union is still with her birth father, and I have custody of uh, our daughter together. So just trying to figure out how to navigate all of that. I, I had planned on going into the office, but I was driving into work and heard that this was the topic for today. So I said, let me let me just call and, and see what insight I can get. Um, all right. Good question, Jeff. And survivor benefits are payable uh, to a child from a deceased parent if the parent had worked enough and paid in. So we need to check on that. So you can do all this over the telephone. You don't need to actually go into the office. You can call your local office, set up an, uh, a telephone appointment for okay. uh, survivor benefits for your child. It would be helpful if you had your ex-wife's Social Security number. If, uh, and then we will take it from there. We're going to have to look uh, and make sure the child is due benefits and everything like that. And it's a pretty simple process. And like I say, we can do all that over the phone for you. Sean, let me ask a question because you talk, we're talking about two different children from two different fathers, but um, would one child's benefit be reduced or are the, are the, will the children get identical benefits in a situation like this? probably identical benefits. There's a family max that each of us pay in that are payable to our survivors. And what is that max? Based on what each of us have worked and paid in. So it's going to be different for every number holder that we okay. talk to. So it's going to be his his wife, ex-wife that passed away. Everything she had worked and ever paid into Social Security will be used to determine benefits for her children. And then we will look and divide those benefits between the number of eligibles on the record. Okay. So we could uh, there may be a child order draw benefits and no other claim on there so we may reduce that first child's benefits when we put the other claim on mm. there depending on what was paid in so it is usually equally split between the surviving children even though they may not be in the same household and is does that go through age 18 age 18 or graduates from high school and it could go to age 19 we see where a child may be turn 18 in january but does not graduate till may they can draw those benefits until they graduate from high school in may Okay. All right. right, but do all that over the telephone, Jeff, and uh, we can. Uh, it's not a requirement for you to be able to go into the office. You can handle everything o- over the phone and through the mail. Awesome, awesome. That's exactly what I need to know. And uh, Mary, that was the the question, another question or or concern that I had about you know making sure that uh, her sister wasn't. Uh, penalized or her um, father-in-law wasn't, not father-in-law, stepfather wasn't penalized for her pulling down. I want to make sure that everything was equitable across the board. So. All right, Jeff, appreciate your calling in this morning. This is Money Talks on MPB Think Radio, visiting today with Sean Mercer, District Manager at the Social Security Administration. So if, have, if you have a Social Security question or a personal finance question, give us a call at one eight seven seven mpb ring It's one 672 7464 You can also send an email to money at mpbonline.org, like Jeffrey did, and he asks, if a retiree lives outside the U.S., is it possible to have checks directly deposited to their foreign bank, or will the funds have to be deposited in the U.S. and then wired abroad? 
we need to check with that and see. We do have limitations on where we can send funds. Uh, there are certain countries we cannot send funds. So if an individual retires from the United States and moves to one of these countries, visit our website at socialsecurity.gov. I believe there's a section on living abroad or traveling abroad and my benefits. Details all that really easy for you. But if you do live abroad, you're still entitled to those benefits. That is correct. One way or the other. Unless you're living in a country where we're unable to send those benefits to. So there are some stipulations uh, since September the 11th. Things have changed around uh, the world. Okay. And so there are some limitations. Pretty interesting read, even if you aren't a uh, uh, planning on traveling. Socialsecurity.gov, type in the search engine, uh, living abroad or re- receiving benefits while traveling abroad. It's a pretty good little three or four minute read there. All right. Very good. Back to the phone lines we go. We visit with Eric in Meridian. Go ahead, Eric. You're on the air with us. Good morning, everyone. I have a quick question about uh, VA benefits. Is it possible to receive VA benefits and Social Security? Yes, sir, Eric. You sure can. Uh, We see people doing that all the time. Those are totally independent of one another, so it's not uncommon for an individual to come in and be receiving, uh, let's just use this example, 30% VA disability, but they're going to file for Social Security disability. With our definition of disability is different in that with Social Security, you have to be 100% disabled or not at all. So your VA medical records could be used in determining, but it may not be the same outcome as what you have. So uh, we see people all the time who are already receiving VA benefits and thus become entitled to Social Security that one does not offset the other. Okay, thank you very much. I just wanted to make sure I was doing everything on the legal side. Yes, sir. (laughs) Thanks for the call, Eric. We've got some open phone lines. If you have a question for Sean Mercer, our guest from the Social Security Administration, give us a call. Nancy and Ryder here ready to take some personal finance questions as well. The phone number is 1-877-MPB-RING. It's 1-877-672-7464. You can email the show. It's money at mpbonline.org. So um, are there any, uh, uh, Sean, recent changes uh, in Social Security or or things that uh, new information that people uh, might need to be aware of? Not really any big changes. I guess probably the last thing we had that is really important to our listeners out there, we talked about the Social Security signing up on our webpage for a My Social Security account. One of the things we did mention a while ago is being able to get a replacement Social Security card. So if uh, Nancy needs a replacement Social Security card, she doesn't have a name change, a date of birth change, she has a valid Mississippi driver's license, she has a My Social Security account, she can log into can her I account. Can I get a date of birth change? <laughs> Can't do that. Oh, Got to see you in person for that. <laughs> so, uh, but we could uh, send that Social Security card in the same length of time that she would get it if she came into one of the local offices and applied for that. So that's really big for someone that just, you know, has misplaced their card, kind of like Ryder has done here and doesn't really know where his <laughs> is. And uh, we could do that. So that that's probably the biggest uh, biggest change. No other real big changes that uh, would affect the general population out there. I just can't stress enough for people to visit the website and just take a quick look at it. Those are your benefits. And as Nancy said, it's going to replace a large portion of your uh, pre-retirement earnings. And we see so many people that just haven't taken the time to look to see what those benefits It's a nice be. surprise for most folks. It is. Yeah. It is. 
So uh, visiting the website again, we can't stress that enough, socialsecurity.gov. And uh, as we've talked with these listeners here today, calling your local office and not visiting uh, um, 23 offices located around Mississippi, we see literally thousands of people every day unsolicited, and a very large majority of them could have picked up the telephone or gone on the Internet. And I realize that doesn't take care of every situation that we're going to discuss here today, but for a large majority of our listeners, you don't have to visit the office. Okay. Uh, back to the phone lines we go. Let's see. We're going next to Jackson. Mike has called in today. Good morning, Mike. Go ahead. Hi. Good morning. Um, yes, I was calling in. I've spent the last 20 years living and working in the United States. I'm both a Canadian and an American citizen, and uh, I've paid Social Security for 20 years now. And I, prior to coming here, I, spent, I paid about 15 years for the Canadian benefit, similar to Social Security. When I go to retire, will they take into account my years? If I don't have 35 years of earnings, will they take into account my earnings in Canada? That is correct. Good question there, Mike, and one that we don't see very often, but one that we're well-versed on how to handle because we can't process your claim here locally. We're going to send that to our folks in Baltimore, and we have uh, to what we call totalization agreements with countries. So, again, visit our website, socialsecurity.gov, if you've worked outside the country, uh, and look at all the countries that we have uh, totalization agreements with, which is an agreement that we're going to lump those earnings together and give you the benefit of whatever's higher is the best way I can understand that because we don't process those claims, but it's not uncommon for us to see someone. So when you get ready to do file your claim, we're going to look at all that, take all the information down, and then transfer that to our folks in Baltimore, and they're going to complete it using your Canadian earnings and your United States earnings to see which system is going to benefit you the best to draw your benefits. So what it sounds like is they're going to get together with the Canadian social version and they're just going to say all right who, whose number's bigger and then uh, and then that that lucky winner gets to send checks to mike every month that's right and so uh you know uh so the united states is not out there on a limb by themselves we're the only country that has a social security program other countries have things that are similar may not be called social security but with those countries that are similar we do have those totalization agreements and uh work together with them to process those benefits. That's awesome. Hey, Mike, thanks for your call. Let's uh, move on. Next, we've got uh, another Mike uh, calling in. Go ahead, second Mike. You're on the air with us. Yes, hi. Good morning. Uh, question about when to start benefits. Early, uh, as soon as possible, as late as possible. Uh, it seems to be a pretty common but complicated uh, discussion. Uh, people out there selling suggestions, I guess, books are written about it, etc. So I'm just wondering, is there a a generally accepted rule of thumb if you expect to live to, say, 80, you should start at X age? If you think you're going to live till 95, you should do something different. I wonder if you could address that. Well, I'll give you the Social Security answer, Mike, and then I'll let uh, Nancy and Ryder (laughs) chime in because it is a question for all of us. And we get your question probably more every day, Uh, probably one of the number one questions that we get. And I'll go ahead and get it, answer it right quick. We don't know the answer to your question, Mike, because (laughs) we're not financial planners and we don't know what that date of death is going to be. We don't know what your personal financial situation is. What we do want you doing is looking to see what your benefits would be at age 62, what your benefits would be at your full retirement age, and to be able to use those so when you talk with someone about your total financial picture, that you have those in mind, and then you can make a decision that's what's best for you and your family. Uh, 
do you draw a smaller check at age 62 for a longer period of time, or do you wait till your full retirement age and draw a larger check, or do you even wait till your uh, a maximum benefit of age 70 and draw 24% more? You know, so that's the number one question. So I'll let Ryder chime in on what they do with that and go from there. Um, yeah, so there's two big components to this, and of course it's going to depend uh, on your personal financial situation. But one is kind of how long do you think you're going to live? If you're planning on, you know, dying the day you hit 71, then, you know, maybe go ahead and start taking it at 62. Um, but, you know, if and there's no... There's no good way to tell how long you're going to live, but if you are in generally good health, um, life expectancies for you know someone who is say 60 years old and in good health is, you know, they're getting longer. Uh, you you may well end up living much longer than uh, than the kind of actuarial table currently predicts because the actuarial table is is for people who are dying now, not for people who are still alive. Um, so if you think you're going to live way longer than that, it does make sense to wait. Uh, also, you have to take into consideration your wh- whoever else might receive benefits on your record. Uh, so if you are married, then it makes sense to – and your wife has a smaller benefit, then she will get your benefit when you die. So it's important that – particularly if she's much younger, it makes sense that you might wait and maximize your own number. Um, and then lastly, there's – you know a financial planner could help you with a more strict calculation here, but depending on what else you have saved for retirement, uh, if Social Security is going to be a very big part of your retirement income, then it's more important for you to let that grow than the other assets you have. If Social Security is going to be an insignificant part of your retirement, it matters less when you take it. And, you know, I would look back to the kind of survivor benefits uh, side of the equation. Um, but it, how much is how much is that Social Security going to matter to you for the rest of your life? And that should help guide you um, guide you in, in deciding how, how long to wait. All right. Mike, thanks for your question. We need to take another quick break. We've got Jonathan, Kathy, and Kenneth holding on. If y'all would hold on through the break, we'll get to your questions right after we get back from this break. We're visiting today on Money Talks with Sean Mercer, District Manager at the Social Security Administration. Have you ever wanted to change your Social Security number? There are some criteria for doing so, and we'll talk about that, that after this break. This is Money Talks on MPB Think Radio. This is an MPB Think Radio podcast. To hear previous shows, visit mpbonline.org or download the MPB Public Radio app to listen on your iPhone or Android phone on demand. 
back to Money Talks on MPB Think Radio. Kevin Farrell here with Nancy Lotridge-Anderson and Ryder Taft. Today we're visiting with Sean Mercer, District Manager at the Social Security Administration. Got a number of calls holding. Just a couple of things to clear up before we get back to the calls. Uh, we talked about changing your Social Security number. There are some criteria. If you can prove that you have a religious or cultural issue with certain numbers, you can request a new number. If you're experiencing ongoing issues after being the victim of identity theft or if someone else is using the same number. But we were chatting uh, during the break, and Sean, it's, it's very strict. that They don't hand out new numbers willy-nilly. That's right. And probably the easiest one with that would be the religious objection to 777. We see that for some newborns every now and then. That one's pretty readily accepted. The other ones on there have to have a lot, a lot of proof. And it's really, you've got a credit problem. You don't have a Social Security problem. You need to work with the credit bureaus on doing that. So it is very, very hard to change your Social Security number. And also we had a question before the break about uh, life expectancy, and our producer Liz Gill found two sites, livingto100.com or longevityillustrator.org are both tools that you could go on online to try to figure out how long you're going to be around with us. Although, as we said, you might step out in front of a bus and that would all be... So you never know. <laughs> you so. might you might drive on Lakeland. That's right. And then you'll wish you had eaten that chocolate cake every day. <laughs> Live life to the fullest. All right. Back to the phone lines we go. We start again with Jonathan in Memphis. Jonathan, you're on the air with us. Go ahead, please. Hey, guys. Hey. Good morning. My parents were married for around 25 years, and they've been divorced for several years uh, as well. And uh, mom is now 64, and I'm curious if you can explain... Um, what she's entitled to as a divorcee and all that context. All right. Good question, Jonathan. And uh, any marriage over 10 years potentially entitles someone to benefits off of a spouse's record. So your mom, what we're going to do is, first of all, when she files for benefits, look at what her benefits are going to be on her own record. Then we're going to look to see if there's any higher benefit we could pay her based on a current marriage and or a previous marriage. If she's currently married, then she's kind of locked into that. But if she has had a prior divorce and she's not married, there's potential benefits available on that record, and she can draw either or, whichever is higher, not both. So let's say that she was due $1,000 on her own work record, but off her uh, divorced husband's record, she was due... Twelve fifty, and so we could pay her the higher benefit of twelve fifty, not the twelve fifty and the thousand. So we work mm-hmm. through that on any Social Security claim. If you file online or talk with us on the telephone, that is our job to make sure that we're searching every record that we can find to see what's the highest benefit you can draw based on your age, your own work history, your marital uh, situation, and so we go through all that to rule out. Uh, what we can and cannot pay you. And a spousal benefit will be approximately half of whatever the full benefit, right, is? In her situation, she's 64. Full retirement age is going to be 66. So she's going to, right now, if she filed, she would be due just a little less than half off of her uh, ex-husband's record or all a uh, little less than full benefits off of her own record. At her full retirement age, which is probably age 66, she would be due 100% of her own or 50% of her ex-husband's, whichever is higher. All right, uh, Jonathan, thanks for calling in today with your question. Next, let's go to Kathy in Jackson. Good morning, Kathy. You're next. So go ahead. Hello. Good morning. I'm 64 and really don't need to um, touch the money till 70. Um, but 
I'm just wondering, I, I was reading in Get What's Yours, and it said uh, that I need to uh, start the benefits and then stop them. Do I just uh, let Social Security know that I'm going to wait till 70 and just leave it at that? No, don't know where you're really getting that with uh, what you would be doing by waiting to your uh, age 70 and getting the 24% more of your past your full retirement. You don't have to do anything. Now, what we do encourage is for at age 65 is for you to take your Medicare and uh, yes. look at that. But then you can delay yes. any cash benefits till whenever you can wake up one morning and decide you want to do that but you don't have to notify us or anything the only thing we do ask is if you're entitled to medicare to go ahead and let's file that claim yeah. uh about 45 days prior to your 65th birthday so, so right. there's that's great okay thanks so much there's no formal process for delaying you no. just you just don't don't call them. that's right just just don't <laughs> unfortunately we don't go looking for you you need to you know come to come to well, us well but that brings up you mentioned with medicare we know the age is 65 and so you have your birth month mm-hmm. three months prior and three months after to file for medicare it's a separate decision than the social security you have to go ahead and do it and if you don't do it at 65 within that seven-month window, your Part B premiums will be higher forever. Um, If you haven't filed for Social Security, you will pay for those Part B premiums, any other premiums, out of pocket. If you are already filing for Social Security, they will reduce your Social Security benefit, right? That is correct. Uh, Currently, the uh, general benefit for Part B is $134 a month. That is deducted from your uh, Social Security check. If you're, as Nancy said, if you're not receiving those benefits, you pay that quarterly uh, up until you start receiving the cash benefit. So age 65 is important to us at Social Security because we want the individual to contact us because we're responsible for processing Medicare. And as Nancy said, if you do not do that and you aren't in one of the exclusions, then that you're working and covered by the group employer health plan or your spouse is working and covered by the group employer health plan, you could receive a penalty and that penalty follows you till death. And I thought in part of her question, she said something about starting and stopping. Once you start receiving benefits, isn't it kind of that's it? You can, and and I don't know where our caller, uh, Kathy, was actually going with that. I've never really heard of that. But there was, we do see a lot of people that start their benefits. They retire at age 62. They're sick of the job. They're done. About four months later, they come back to us and said, you know, I've rethought this. I've got a great opportunity. Can we just stop this and let me just, no harm, no foul? We can do that one time within a year. Do they have to pay back anything? Yes, yes. Pay that money back if they if they would like. And then it's like they never, never filed. So when they come to see us at age 70 or 66 or whatever it is, but you can't do it for a year and a half and decide, oh, no harm, no foul. No, there's one time within that first 12 months because we see so many people retire and then decide this is not all I really thought it was I've got another opportunity I'm going to be well over the earnings limit what do I need to do either stop it and that would take into account filing early or hey I'm not even spending this money let me just pay it back and let's just no harm no foul and I'll see y'all again later so what is the current earnings limit for uh, an early retiree okay the earnings limit in 2018 is seventeen thousand and forty dollars so if the individual is over seventeen forty then we would be taking one dollar for every three you know past that so okay Uh, back to the phone lines we go next we've got Kenneth in Grenada good morning Kenneth go ahead 
Good morning. First of all, uh, I'm kind of coming late here to the game, so forgive me if I ask you a question that's already been answered. No worries. My, yes. Uh, how do they calculate your disability? In other words, Ooh. is it on a 12-month twelve-month prior to your injury or the previous calendar year? Okay, good question, Kenneth. And disability benefits are based on everything that you have ever worked and paid into Social Security up right. through your date of disability. So right. if I became disabled today, I would they would look at everything that I ever worked, even in high school, little part-time jobs, and I would receive my full benefit based on what I personally had worked and paid in all those years unreduced. So that's why when you look at your Social Security statement that you're, sometimes your disability benefits are higher than your reduced retirement benefits because based on what mm-hmm. an individual works and pays in, they get disability unreduced up through the date of their uh, disability. And we always do set a specific month, day, and year that every individual becomes disabled because we're looking at all those earnings up through there. Good question. All right, Kenneth, thanks uh, for that question. Uh, let's get one more call in before our last break, and it goes to Sheila in Brookhaven. Good morning, Sheila. Go ahead. Good morning. Uh, I'm like the gentleman before me. I came in a little late, so I don't know if this question had been asked. But I was listening to the information concerning if a parent passed and the children, the benefit that goes to the children, and it's up until the 18 and possible 19 at a time. And I want to know where, what if it is theoretically uh, the business that they've had and they uh, um, the benefits that they had, and they would ask the children, I mean, it goes to the children. The parent died, and it, it might be uh, six months till they're 18, and they receive the benefits from the parent. Well, what I want to know, what happens uh, to the rest of the benefit that, for, uh, that the parent has earned? All right, Sheila, good question. You've got to look at Social Security kind of like insurance. And so the the parent may have worked and paid in, but the child would not receive benefits or only receive a small portion of those benefits. We're all working in this pool together. So uh, we have a lot of people who pass away and their children are 19 and 21. They don't receive anything. So benefits were meant to replace for survivor benefits income from a lost parent to a child. And for a child's definition with Social Security, we're considering that child to be age 18. So that money that that parent would have worked and paid in would have been in there for the rest of us if we would need it. So there's no other benefits payable once that child reaches age 18 or graduates from high school. All right, uh, Sheila, we appreciate your call. This is Money Talks on MPB Think Radio. Time for one final break this hour. We're visiting today with Sean Mercer, District Manager at the Social Security Administration. Sean is always on point with your Social Security questions, and there's still time to work a couple of ins. The number is one eight seven seven mpb ring Our phone number is one 672 You can email the show money at mpbonline.org. You know there's a special significance to the year 2034 when it concerns Social Security. We'll tell you about that when we get back. This is Money Talks on MPB Think Radio.
This is an MPB Think Radio podcast. To hear previous shows, visit mpbonline.org or download the MPB Public Radio app to listen on your iPhone or Android phone on demand. Welcome back to Money Talks on MPB Think Radio. Kevin Farrell here with Nancy Lotter-Janderson, president of New Perspectives and Ryder Taft, portfolio manager at New Perspectives. We're visiting today with Sean Mercer, district manager at the Social Security Administration. Before the break, we asked you about the significance of the year 2034. Uh, the two trust funds where Social Security taxes are deposited have enough resources to continue paying all program benefits until 2034, at which time they would be able to pay only 79% of scheduled benefits, and that's according to the annual report from the Systems Trust. Uh, Sean, when we hear that kind of information, should should we be worried about where's my share, that sort of thing? Or Well, we need to be worried about it, but every time that comes out, it gets portrayed in the news sometimes that Social Security is going bankrupt, that we can't pay anything. And my definition of bankruptcy is I owe you a dollar and I can't pay you anything and I walk away from the deal. With this, if we make no changes, which we haven't had any major changes to the Social Security Act since 1983, so we're well past due, but we need to make changes while we're taking in large amounts of payroll money to extend this date past 2034 because we've changed as a as a country as a society and if you look back on our website again it's got some interesting information prior to 1983 about every 10 years we had major changes to the social security act every generation that's right so if we would change this that would push that 79 percent up higher so we make no changes do nothing in 2034 i'm going to be able to pay you 79 cents instead of one dollar so Also, when you look at the changes that have been made previously in the Social Security Act, they have been a huge grandfather period in there. So it may take effect in 1983, but not start affecting people till 1995. Hmm. If if you see anything on the news about Social Security, our phones literally ring off the hook the next morning from Miss Jones, who thinks we're getting ready to reduce her check. And even though she's been drawing for the last 20 years. So usually any changes have a huge grandfather period that affect. So Ryder needs to pay close attention. Ryder needs right? to pay attention. Right. Nancy and I, we're probably in we're that grandfather. We're grandfathered in. <laughs> <laughs> All right. I've uh, got a couple more questions to get to. Uh, Preston's on the line from Grenada. Preston, you're on the air with us. Go ahead, please. Yeah, good morning. Uh, uh a few minutes ago, you were talking about, uh, well, my question is, if you are retired and you go back to work, uh, does that change your benefits? Uh, good good question. I thought you were going to catch me on an error that I made a while ago, Preston, where I said $1 for every three if you go over the earnings limit. But uh, no, the you earnings... lost me there. I didn't know that. <laughs> okay. <laughs> but I wanted to correct that. It's $1 for every two for the person who goes over the earnings limit. But in your specific question there, Preston, let's say you continue to work part-time and you're under the 17000 and so you're still receiving your full benefit. But what about that money that you're working and paying in? They're still holding FICA taxes out. We, the computer does go back in and see if one of those years that you earn replaces one of the 35 that we use in your computation. Mm. And so you say, well, yeah, I'm making 15000 now just working part-time. And I can remember when I was working full-time back in the 80s, and I was only making twelve five. Right, exactly. 12500 that's, that's my position. Right, 12500 in 1984 compared to... 
today, dollar for dollar in the year earned, maybe 12084 may be equivalent to 30000 in today's dollars. Look at what the dollar bought in 1984 versus what it buys in 2018. If you look on our website and see how your benefits are figured, the further we go back in time each year that we use in your computation is given an indexing factor. So you can't look at the 35 years numerically and determine what your highest benefits are. Mm. It's based on the year that it was earned. So it does check. And let's say that even if it does replace that, if it moves your benefit up a couple of dollars, that's a lot because that year is only one thirty-fifth of the computation. So we have people that that do work and the computer recomps their benefit and we owe them $24 more, dollars, $2 every month, plus they're getting the cost of living increase, which is uh, another, you know, 3 or $4 a month. So they get a one-time check of $34. They don't realize that that $34 is the increase for the January benefit plus the $24 we owed them maybe for last year or whatever. So it does check. It does do it automatically each year, but it doesn't usually make a big difference if it replaces one of the 35 years in your computation. All right, uh, Preston, thanks for your call. So it, it, uh, if you can work in retirement, then it would seem like it would behoove you to do so. Uh, if you stay under that uh, that limit, be, you'll be getting maybe a little, a couple of more dollars. But your reduction in benefit is only if you take Social Security early. Okay. If you take it at full retirement age, they don't even worry about what you're earning elsewhere. That is correct. So if we're talking with uh, Preston here and he's full retirement age, or once he reaches full retirement age, we don't worry about that earnings limit anymore. And go to work, million dollars a day. It doesn't matter. Okay. And if he finds a job for a million dollars a day, I would love to work <laughs> as a personal assistant, secretary. Just give me a call. All right, uh, Craig uh, from Mobile. Craig, we're a little pressed for time, so if you could be brief, we'll try to give you a good answer. Okay. Um, I have been on disability since 1988. Uh, I also drew a disability from my private employer. That private employer disability is going to run out at age 64. Uh, Will my Social Security disability change, or will it convert to just regular Social Security at that time? Good question, Craig. And the answer is your Social Security will not change. Social Security benefits are not reduced by private employer disability. They could be reduced by workers' comp, possibly, but in your question, disability, no. On your full, re- whenever you reach full retirement age, if that's 66 or if it's 66 in two months, whatever that date is, on our records, you will simply go to a retirement benefit. You will see no change in anything because you've already been on disability long enough. You've already got Medicare. You're drawing your unreduced benefits based on your work through your uh, date of disability back in 1988. So you're going to see no change from the Social Security aspect of anything with, with those benefits. Okay, now my next question. Can I go back to work since my Social Security has reverted to just regular Social Security? You can. Yes, sir. If you are over full retirement age, then as we were talking a while ago, you there is no limit. So 
you are retired on our record, so you could go back to work because you're after your full. Make sure it's your full retirement age. You can still go to work even if it's if it's before your full retirement age. You just need to notify us and let's get you in one of the trial work programs and explain to you what your limits might be there. All right. Okay. So I would have to make an appointment and go see a Social Security representative and see how much I could make. You could do it. You could do all that over the telephone, Craig. No need. Just call your local office and talk with them over the telephone. All right, Craig, okay. uh, thanks for your call. That's going to wrap us up for today. Money Talks is a production of MPB Think Radio, funded in part by generous financial support from you, our listeners. If you need to hear today's show or previous show, one way to find it is to go to mpbonline.org slash money talks. Our show is produced by Liz Gill, and our call screener today was Java Chapman. So for Nancy Lotridge-Anderson, Ryder Taft, and our guest, Sean Mercer, I'm Kevin Farrell. Stay tuned up next at 10. It's in legal terms, and we'll be back next Tuesday at 9 for another Money Talks, heard only on MPB Think Radio. This is an MPB Think Radio podcast. To hear previous shows, visit mpbonline.org or download the MPB Public Radio app to listen on your iPhone or Android phone on demand.